Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, should the Bucs be buyers or sellers before the trade deadline? I think Sunday's game may decide it. And can Florida State afford to buy out Willie Taggart? Maybe the question is, can they afford not to? What's the latest in the South Florida quarterback saga? And are the Lightning on the right track this season? We've got the lovely and talented Chris Trello of Bay News 9 Spectrum Sports 360 to talk about that. And we'll tell you what Jason Pierre-Paul had to say about his first day back to work with the full squad on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we are joined by Chris Torello and maybe Mike Francesa and a case of the thousands here in just a minute, Let's talk about the Bucks, uh, Steve, I was over there uh, on, uh, I guess it was yesterday, which would have been Tuesday, and uh, had a chance to, uh, to talk to Jason Pierre-Paul. Now, he's been over there during the bye week working out with some practice squad guys doing the first sort of physical work, football uh, work, if you will, with a helmet and shoulder pads and doing a little bit of contact and things like that. But today, uh, I'm sorry, yesterday, he was, he was out there with a full squad, and so... Um, you know, he hadn't spoken since his accident. He came, it's funny, man. He came up and he goes, I got three questions. You guys got three questions. He wound up answering about 10 or 12. Um, but, man, you know, the, the more you dive into sort of what this guy is is attempting to do, um, it really is remarkable. And, you know, the question was asked to him finally sort of like, look, um, not for nothing, but not a lot of football players come back from a broken neck and play in the NFL. And, and without – Without hesitating a, a minute, he goes, "Yeah, not a lot of people come back from blowing their hand off, too." You know, <laughs> got a point. And he's like, "Well, okay, glad you said it." Um, but he's right. I mean, and and this has sort of been this has sort of been his mo. I mean, you know, physically, people thought there was no way you can lose all or parts of three fingers as an elite pass rusher when your hands are so important to you know to shed blockers and and use leverage and things like that. And yet, what did he miss? Like half a season that year in 2015, after that July 4th uh, fireworks accident, and and you know, and then of course last year, I mean, he has 12 and a half sacks. And he's going to be 31 on New Year's Day, um, and you know, the Bucks have done some things with his contract, but um, and, and he he even said, you know, it's it's not. It looks like it could be this Sunday against Tennessee, but it's you know they're not sure exactly yet because. As he gets into the contact, they, you know, obviously you got to see how sore you are, what your body, how's your body responding, and things like this. Um, but I can tell you, you know, they've, they've gone as slow as they think they needed to. I mean, the guy was in a neck brace for like 11 weeks. Um, you know, he, he didn't do any football work for like five and a half months or something um, since that accident. But, you know, to see him out there and, and, and see, you know, his attitude uh, – it's just remarkable because most people in that position, you know, that have made almost $70 million in their career, they're going to be 31 years old. I mean, you know, he's accomplished so much in his, in his life. Um, you know, you might say, you know, when they tell you you have a broken neck, the next thing is, okay, how do I want to announce my retirement? I mean, you know, you're not even going to contemplate playing football. So it's not the money 
necessarily, um, but he has such a strong will. I've been around a lot of players. You know, Mike Allstott was a guy that had that terrible neck injury, and he was a fullback that used his head as a battering ram, um, and he had a spinal fusion, you know, in his neck. Uh, and somehow the doctor said, yeah, you can go play, but then it got to a point where now he was really jeopardizing his health and his future, and so he had to retire. Uh, I don't, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul's injury is not the same, obviously. It was a cervical fracture that healed on its own, um, but, but his will uh, to battle back, I remember when they first got him uh, at his introductory press conference, and, you know, of course he played here at USF and everything, and it was kind of a homecoming for him in, in a sense, but he talked about, you know, he talked about that accident. He talked about all that he went through, uh, and he was asked uh, by me, as a matter of fact, what he what he learned about himself, you know, through that whole uh, just you know traumatic uh, experience. And I'll never forget. He says that I'm unstoppable, and did not hesitate that I'm unstoppable, and that sort of describes kind of like what his his will is to get to the quarterback and his will to play and. And almost this, I don't know, inordinate amount of ability to overcome, you know, these severe, if not traumatic injuries. And, you know, we're not talking about an ACL. We're not talking about, you know, common injuries that, that players do do sometimes come back from uh, that are hard enough. But, man, I mean, I, I you know, and, and the team has so much respect for him. You know, it's funny, Bruce Arians was saying, and Bruce has never coached him, obviously. He's well aware of who JPP is. Um, but just having him out there with the guys the last couple of weeks, especially the young players, you know, he, he said something. He goes, you know, you, you underestimate, you know, kind of like how important his leadership ability is. He says it's just a, it's a huge thing. He's, he's been sort of a vocal leader for a long time, and uh, he can already feel the difference, you know, just, just the way he interacts with his teammates. And he was that guy a year ago. You know, they had a, a historically bad defense. 29 points a game and all that, and he was calling guys out. That's not his personality per se, but when he needs to say something, he's not afraid to say it. And, of course, his perspective is such that, hey, this game is literally, you know, can be taken away from you any minute, and he always tries to impart that on everybody that plays. Um, but he has managed to, uh, you know, to to overcome just, again, traumatic injuries. And if he's out there in the next couple of weeks, it could make a big difference. They, Frankly, they need him sooner than later because – you know, Shaq Barrett is getting all the attention now from teams. He's gone two games, which is not breaking news for anybody around this league, but he's gone two games without a sack because he's getting triple team, basically. Uh, he still leads the NFL with nine. But if you can add JPP, who's going to take some time to get going, you would think. But you add him to that pass rush with Nassib, uh, with Vita Vea, with Ndamukong Sue, you know, now maybe you have something, right? They've been playing the run terrifically, um, but the passing defense is worse than the league. Um, so it's a combination of rush and coverage, but, uh, you know, to add a JPP to a Shaq Barrett, you know, and even, even JPP said, you know, the guy's a great player. Um, you know, if it's going to be fun to be out there on the field with him at the same time. So we'll see what he's able to do if he's ever get back against Tennessee or not. But, um, man, what a, what an impressive guy. And, and, and it would be a great story if he's able to do it. All right, the lovely, the talented Chris Torello joins us now. And, uh, Chris, the world series began, uh, last night. Astros Nationals. First of all, I have to ask you, uh, Mike Francesa, what what happened to the New York Yankees? Well, uh, here's what happened. Okay, okay, a ball came in and a guy hit it. That's what happened. Okay, <laughs> another night in the World Series. Okay, okay, and, uh, that's that's the way it is. 
Okay, I mean, it's garbage. Okay, Chapman is garbage. Okay, I mean, let him go to the race. Let him go to the race. They need a closer. Go to the race. Okay, <laughs> he shouldn't be in New York. He's not meant for New York. So that's why they lost. Okay, the little guy, that little guy, the little kid, he hit the ball. Good for him. Altuve. Yeah, Altuve. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, 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 no. I don't know what his name is, but yeah, no, he hit the ball. Yeah, he hit the ball. Yeah. That's about it. Well, uh, they don't have much to root for in, in football in New York, so this is this is going to be kind of a long, cold, cold winter. I mean, I, I watched the Jets, and I, I thought Sam Donald was something, but I mean, what 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 is what was that all about? Uh, you know, Sam. You know, he's like a senior high school. You know, first he gets mono because he went to a kissing party, okay, and now he's talking <laughs> to the sideline. Did you see this? Did you see this? He's talking about ghosts. He's like, I'm seeing ghosts. Ghost. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know who says that people, people who, people who aren't really on the level, you know, sometimes maybe he, maybe he, maybe he's trying something, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a real sophomore season for Sam, you know, he's a real, you know, it's like he's a high season 15 year old, you know, so, you know, they make mistakes, but you know, I mean, this, this garbage, they are awful. I can't stand the Jets. I can't stand Adam Gase. Oh, it's awful. It's going to be an awful winter with the Knicks and the Nets, and I got to listen to Kyrie. <laughs> it's awful up here, Rick. It's awful. <laughs> Seeing ghosts, it's like Haley Joe Osment from, uh, you know, from that movie long years ago, right? I see dead people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, dead people. Yeah, sure. I see dead people. I walk around here every day. I see dead people, okay? The midday show is dead. Okay, you got Joe Beningo, he's dead. And then you got the one to three. I mean, they've already axed one person. They're going to ax the other two. They just don't know it yet because then I need my money. So, you know, because we got the app. We got the radio app. And, it, <laughs> and that's, free. that's free. So, you know, everyone can watch mm. me. Who wouldn't want to do that? So, <laughs> I love starting out with a New York perspective. All right, Chris Torello, <laughs> uh, let's, dive into, uh, let's dive into a little, uh, little local sports, a little more local uh, sports, I should say. Um, and and let, let's start with the Bucks because you know there was a trade yesterday in the NFL and there's we're still a week away um, from the trade deadline but uh, teams are already making deals. The Atlanta Falcons, who have just one less win than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, have traded Mohamed Sanu to the Patriots for a second round pick, which is a pretty good haul for a receiver his age, uh, but a productive one nonetheless. I'm wondering where should the Bucks be in this whole trade game? Or should should they be looking to? Uh, to unload some guys, or or uh, should should they try to be buyers and 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 stay in this thing? I'm not really sure where where they where they stand. They've turned down a deal for O.J. Howard, apparently. Yeah, I was gonna go to O.J. Howard because it seems to me, Rick, that you know, I mean, if you're a, I mean, yeah, he's a pass catching tight end who just doesn't catch passes or isn't open or there's always some excuse. Um, you know, I, and here's the thing, and and I've been hearing this more and more. You already feel like this is a wasted season. At least that's the perspective because you're on the, you know, you're coming off the bye. you're two and four, you're not playing good. I mean, you had every chance to, they should, you and I talked about this a while back. This team should be four and two right now. Like they're like, honest to God, they, I mean, you, you beat the Rams, you know, that giants loss, you know, watch them. They'll win a couple straight and then they'll be sitting there four and four and then it'll just be a fight to get to the finish. And that giant loss will be sitting there or this Carolina loss will be sitting there. You know, the saints, I understand we, we both agree. Sean Payton's far and away the best coach in this division. And I think Teddy Bridgewater isn't 
really Teddy Bridgewater. He's a, he's like a shell of himself, but at least he's developed, but at least he's developed enough, healthy enough to be about 70, 80% of the old Teddy Bridgewater. And that's enough in that saint system with the talent around him. But the bucks, it's like, I think you're, we're figuring out very quickly here that if you, if there are moves to make, you're selling, you're not buying. First off, I don't know what money they have. And secondly, you they, need they to, don't, yeah. no, exactly. You know, there's nothing in the bank, you know? So you have to, you have to figure out a way maybe to relieve some cap. You know, I don't know who would want who, but it seems like a young guy like OJ Howard could be a nice piece for somebody else. Um, I, I'm not sure if any of the if there's a guy maybe on defense that someone could say, hey, yeah, if this guy's ready, you know, let's bring him over. But it's it's really about the Bucks if they're going to do anything over the next week. I it's, I don't see them as buyers. I don't think that anything would really help them I- at this point. You know, I think they are what they are. Yeah, I mean, a corner would help them, but I mean, at what price? And we we've seen you know the the best corners go for two number ones and a number four, so they're not going to do that, and they don't have cap room to absorb some of these contracts. But but here's the, here's the problem I think they're in. And tell me if I'm wrong about this. They've devoted this whole season to Jameis Winston's survival or revival, and if you start whittling away at the product, especially on offense, then what evaluation do you really have? In other words. Um, and I don't know that, you know, OJ Howard would, would be the biggest loss in the world, although you did invest a first round pick in a guy that you have control for three more years. Um, but you know, even, even a Cam Brate who's not playing very much, but still, you know, in terms of the number of targets he's gotten, he's been highly productive. Uh, if you start taking away guys, can you really judge the quarterback? No, you're right. I know. But but you said it there. I mean, this whole season has been about we brought in the quarterback whisperer, not the mm. not the team whisperer, the quarterback whisperer. We brought in a guy who was going to fix a guy who we all thought. Well, first off, I don't think I don't know what you think. because I mean, you cover the team that you tell me to tell you you're wrong. You cover the team more than anybody. But it's like, I don't know if Jameis is he's never he's not broken. This is just Jameis. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and this is just who he is. I think we see his talents. I think he's a talented quarterback. The problem is that he just doesn't do it consistently. And that's, that's, he's five years in. I mean, unless we're going to have an Alex Smith revival with a Jim Harbaugh coming into San Francisco, I just don't see it. So, I mean, it seems like that's the theme with the, with, with USF and with the Bucks. It's like the, these, it's like there's someone who's in survival mode. The two most prominent people, the Jameis Winston, Charlie Strong, they're both in survivor mode, okay? Survivors on CBS on Wednesday nights, okay? That's where they want to outwit, outlast, outplay, okay? It's no good anymore. You know, I don't think Jameis is the answer. I like him, but what are you going to do? You've said it on Spectrum Sports 360. Give him the franchise tag because he's going to throw for over 4,000 yards. He's going to do enough, enough, but is enough enough for the future now? I think that's the real question. Yeah, you know, I've, I've begun to evolve on that. I, I thought, and, and maybe he doesn't have another game, God forbid, like a six turnover game, but I thought for all the world that he would play well enough to where – they would win enough games, and, and and really, if you looked at the draft, they probably wouldn't have the sort of the, you know, enough enough, I don't know, equity to move up high enough to get, you know, to get one of the top quarterbacks coming out. So Jameis would then become their best of the rest option, at least in the draft. It, w- it wouldn't be there for them. But now 
to be honest with you, Chris, if, if he has another game or two like this and continues to be who he has been throughout his career, I don't know that, that Bruce Arians is – or for the Bucks, for that matter, are going to throw $25 million at him and say, let's do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, it would certainly be under a different – I mean, the $25 million is the issue. I mean, this is a business. And, you know, um, even if you said we're going to do what Tennessee did this year and bring in a quarterback who's capable of playing like Ryan Tannehill, and you did that next year with Jameis, it's still, it still is a lot of money – to pay for a guy that hasn't been that productive in, in five seasons. Now, yeah, he has numbers, he has p- passing yards and touchdowns, but he, the turnovers has been the thing. So, I don't know. They're kind of caught They're kind of caught in the middle, and, and I, I do sense that Bruce Arians thought they were past this. I sense that he thought he could, so, quote-unquote, eliminate some of the turnovers, and, you know, it hasn't happened. So, um, anyway, that's that's my two cents. I, I And they can't – we know this. They're not going to turn to Ryan Griffin, right? I think I think if the if another head coach was here, maybe Ryan Griffin, they would turn to. Um, but I, I, I don't think Bruce Arians is going to allow this to become anything but the Jameis Winston show like this is 16 games. You, you give us the honest take, no suspensions, no injuries, no nothing. 16 games. You give us what you have. We'll give you the honest assessment at the end of December, beginning of January, and let the chips fall where they may. I mean, unless, I mean, yeah. two and four, we all think, you know, I think, I think a decent amount of this fan base thinks this team isn't going to go anywhere, but it isn't impossible that, you know, they play well enough to maybe they make it interesting in December. And I, I always compare Winston to the Blake Bortles, you know, like kind of that Jaguars team in 2017, they went 10 and six. Yeah, they won the division, but they got all the way to that championship game and should have beaten the Patriots. They should have won that game, but every, but, and then, then what did the, then what do the Jaguars do? Then they say, okay, let's hand Blake this money. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's like, okay, well, that there's a caveat to it because it's not like I'm handing him a hundred million dollars. We're going to give him his money, but in a year or two, we can cut bait and get out. And that I think I've said that to you and a couple others. Like to me, it's always gonna. It's like you either give him the Blake Bortles type of contract, or you mm. don't. It's it's one or the other. But I mean, I'm starting to see mock drafts where the Bucks are taking Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm and first off, I don't think he's the answer. But it's it's just like, you know, it's starting. I think you're right, and you said it, it's starting to turn to where it's like, okay, the pieces are in place around the quarterback. Maybe it is the quarterback. You know, like maybe look at Daniel Jones in New York. The pieces are around him to develop now. But Jameis Winston's in year five. Daniel Jones is in year one. There's a difference there. You know, so you can grow with Saquon Barkley behind you. So there, there's a difference. So maybe it, maybe it does take a younger quarterback to, to kind of lick, lick their chops for the 2020 season. I don't know. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting thing, and and uh, I have seen those mock drafts. And look, I mean, they're sitting here with two wins right now. There's not many teams with one or zero. There's only a couple now. The ones that are ahead of them would most definitely take a quarterback in Miami, and I would think Cincinnati. Uh, we'll see who who finishes. You know, whether Atlanta is is gonna part ways with Matt Ryan, I doubt it. We'll see who finishes. You know, ahead of the Bucks, but if they have just a you know a cataclysmic season and and don't win but one or two more games, you're gonna be in that top six, seven range. So maybe a little something else you package, you move up. I, I don't think Bruce Arians is afraid of taking a young quarterback, but then he is 67, so I don't think that was the master plan either. 
Um, they'll just have to adjust. One final thing on the Bucks: it, the thing that confounds me, Chris, and I know they've been put in bad positions, but the defense has this thing now that I haven't seen since Greg Schiano, where they are number one against the run. I mean, they are kicking the crap out of people. Really good running backs, averaging less than seventy yards a game. We've talked about you know the Kamaras and the McCaffreys and, and uh, Gurleys and all the guys they played, but they're dead last against the pass, three hundred five yards a game. How can you have that kind of disparity? Does that speak to what your weakness was coming in and what it seems to be still, which is your secondary? Yeah, and I think you know you could you could almost look at the secondary and say, look at how, in some respects, how young they are in some areas. Look at how, you know, kind of, I think they're still green up there. And obviously a Vernon Hargraves is not green. Um, but, you know, I, I just think this secondary will get better. You know what I'm saying? I feel like this is a year for the secondary because of the guys they drafted, because they're trying to see what fits in the future. Um, I think this is a year where it's going to be not great. But if if the front seven, if those front guys are playing well, you know, I mean, talk about a guy you want to invest your money in. A guy like Shaq Barrett will be the person. But, I mean, there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of you know, there, I, I think the defense is going to only get better next year. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That's crazy, especially with Todd Bowles. I think he's been the breath of fresh air that this defense needed. They needed aggression. They needed someone who wasn't going to be, you know, worried about, you know, you make a mistake. Okay, move on. Now, I would recommend that they tackle. Um, I think that's a good thing in football. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, yes. that Christian McCaffrey play says it all. But, I mean, oh, God. I mean, he was just r- r- ripping right through everybody. So, um, but, but yeah, I, I'm, I think the run, it's, it's great. I think, like I said, I think this is something to build on for the defense. And, you know, yeah, you're probably not going to have JPP when, when he does come back. And then he then he then he's probably not going to be here next year. But you will have enough there, I think, from the young guys you drafted, from the guys you hopefully retain. I think this defense is just getting started, and I think that should excite Bucks fans. It shouldn't be a complete masterpiece right now. It does take time. I think you're going to see this. This team, this particular unit, this has a chance under under Todd Bowles. It has a real chance. Yeah, they're struggling right now, but you mentioned that the young players, one of those is Devin White, and he just hasn't been healthy, played yeah. his first real game in a long time, and that touchdown you're mentioning was on him. He, he jumped an yeah. inside route. He always has the, the wide receiver in the flat or the running back in the flat simply blew the coverage and, and that resulted in a touchdown. So we'll see if he gets better as he as he plays more. And uh God bless him. I, I, I don't think they can get any worse. But I also think there's a reason why they drafted three defensive backs this year when they had drafted three the previous year as well. I think they know that that's an area that they needed to address. Um, let's uh, let's move on and, and talk a little bit about uh, some college football. Of course, you're very close to the University of South Florida. First of all, props to you, my man, on breaking a, uh, a story that was kind of a national story. I mean, Blake Barnett, God bless him. What has he been through in his career 
who did he uh, tick off? But, um, <laughs> you know, he ends up having to have surgery on that ankle. I read his Instagram post. Feel bad for the kid. I, I don't know if he has a chance to play another year of college football or not, but um, what do you make of, of just the whole Barnett saga? Did they fail him or did he fail them? Well, I mean, the one word he used in his Instagram post was uncertainty, and I think that fits perfectly. I mean, you think about a kid who, who you know, he talked to me all the time. He said, you know, I, I wasn't recruited heavily until my junior year of high school, and all of a sudden I have an Alabama offer. And then I go to Alabama. I redshirt the first year because that's what you do at that factory. And then I'm all of a sudden the starting quarterback against USC. And he struggled, and here comes Jalen Hurts, and that was it. So then he realized, I can't be here. I have to transfer. Transfers. Doesn't work out at Arizona State. He comes to USF thinking, okay, this is, this, this is what I, you know, it was mutual interest. And, you know, for whatever reason, I don't think people ever, ever going to understand just what last year was like for these players. And I'm not, I'm not blaming Charlie. I mean, you, you have to blame Charlie Strong because it's his culture, but the fact is, is that quarterback room was toxic. You had, you know, Chris Oladokun is the nicest kid in the world. Sickles high. He's, he's having a great year now at Sanford. Thank God for that kid. Brett Keane moved on to Charlotte. But that locker, that QB room was not good. And it's because Sterling Gilbert and the coaching staff, I truly believe, did not, tr- like, did not tell everyone the truth. It's not that difficult to sit the three guys down and say, listen, you two had a quarterback competition. We brought in a kid like Blake Barnett. He's better. That's the end of it. We're not trying to lie to you. Like, you're going to compete for the backup spot. If something happens, you'll both play. And they both ended up playing. But there's a way you handle things. And now this year, it wasn't handled well because you've got Blake Barnett, who's the guy. I mean, could you honestly blame anyone for not looking good against Wisconsin? With that offensive line, coming, you know, who couldn't do anything for USF the first few weeks. So Blake Barnett gets blamed for all that. Then Jordan McLeod comes in, his shoulders bothering him, his wrist is bothering him now. It's because they're getting he's getting killed. So it's a whole systematic issue where the quarterback keeps getting blamed for things they can't control beyond just hiking the ball and trying to get it to their playmakers. So yeah, I Blake Barnett has been failed. Absolutely, 1,000% he's been failed. And Jordan McLeod's starting to be failed if he doesn't get healthy. Yeah, it looks like they may have to go with, uh, what, Kirk Reigel, I guess? Is that, uh, yeah. is that the consensus gonna walk now? On. Yeah. Well, we're going to find out. We're going to see. I mean, there's a chance Kirk Reigel starts against ECU, and ECU could be their final win of the season. Mm. Yeah, that that's a tough tough position for USF to be in and Charlie Strong. Uh, speaking of, uh, of USF, you've spent more than enough time with their equipment, man. That's for sure. Uh, your road trip, uh, we followed uh, in the trucks to UConn, where they did get a win. Um, and then you got some other news about uh, USF and, and uh, some equipment as well. Tell, first of all, let's talk about the road trip. It's been a while since I've taken that kind of a drive, man. How did you, uh, how did you, how'd you fare on that thing? I did fine. It was 26 and a half hours, eight cups of coffee, over 1,200 miles up the East Coast, I-95. Um, and uh, it's, no, it was fun. You know, like for me, it was fun because you had, you had two guys who are just, they're, you know, the great thing about, you know, what you look at with this company in Tampa is they're all USF alums or they're all mm. USF 
they all buy season tickets. So it's like they, they feel like they're part of the team and they rightfully should. Anyone who does what they do should feel like they're part of the team. And you, and these guys, God bless them. They do shifts. They go, you know, eight hours break, five more break. And, you know, we stop, we stopped a lot, but I mean, they, they would sleep. They had their bunk in the back, but I sat in that passenger seat for 26 and a half hours and, and, you know, and I, then, then what was the best part is, is none of this was staged. Like we got there at six 30 in the morning. We went up to the hotel room where I basically just sat there and was typing up my game notes to get onto our Bay news nine website. And then at nine o'clock we got in the truck again and got over to Rentschler. So, and I had my camera, I mean, I was shooting a lot on my, on my, um, my iPhone, but then I brought up, brought, pulled out my camera. So it was nonstop and I never felt tired. And then I was able to, I was going until late Friday night in terms of seeing family and everything. So it, there was no slowdown whatsoever, no sick, no nothing. So, uh, you know, not to pat myself on the backside, but I mean, you know, I mean, I think I did a pretty good job. You did a hell of a job, Chris. And I, and I, I don't like coffee, but I would have drink it. I'd have been hyped up on Mountain Dew. I don't think I could stay awake that long. That's uh that's a hike. And at least they got a win at UConn, so that was good for USF. Uh, and, and then, of course, they weren't able to follow that up. We'll see what they do against Eastern, East Carolina. Um, and, and they do – now, you uh, you also have a story uh, coming up on uh, Spectrum Sports Bay News 9. Um, uh, you know, headgear is such a big part of, the, of, uh, of football in general, from the youth league on up. We know, all know about, uh, you know, the dangers to uh, con- for concussions and things like that. Um, USF sort of on the cutting edge of this thing, right? Yeah, so Shut Sports came in, Shut's a type of helmet, and uh, they're they're revolutionizing what's called the UR1 helmet. And basically, UR1 means it's your helmet. This is your this is your baby. And what they do is they have this prototypical helmet that they put on each of the players. And what it does is it grabs a sensor of your entire head. And then they're able to kind of label everything. And they say, okay, you normally wear a large size helmet or you wear an XL helmet. Okay. It takes five seconds. They put it on. You sit there. You don't feel anything. You There's little, these like plastic little prongs just gently go against your head. You don't even feel them. And because I did it. And then they're like, yeah, you're done. And then they fit the players. And honest to God, if, if they wanted to, they could, they could mold, they could do everything right there. Come back five minutes later, they could put the face mask on and you can go to practice with it. And I mean, wow. that's how tech, the technology has improved because they're putting different types of padding in there that all have sensors. And the great thing for the equipment staff is that when you're on the field, they have the starting 11 lined up exactly as their defense is supposed to look in their base defense. And if, say, Bentley Sanders, who is sitting there as a safety, you know, if he comes off the field and is like, hey, coach, this next play, you know, this feels a little tight on my left side. Where? Bottom left. Okay, cool. As he's running back out, Jeremy Lee, the equipment manager, uh, can just hit the bottom left pad and release, and it'll be, a less, it'll be looser. That's what he can do. He doesn't have to do anything. That's, it's a simple touch of a button on an iPad. Wow, that's crazy and, uh, and, and revolutionary uh, and something I think that, uh, you know, like you said, players can keep this at all levels you know, as they as they you know go through high school and college, and uh, there's a lot of uh, ramifications. Of course, the NFL's trying trying to figure this out as well. Um, they want each player to have their own helmet, but they haven't gone this route yet. So uh, that's fascinating. You can see that uh, Chris's uh, report, of course, on Spectrum Sports 360, Bay News Nine. Uh, just quickly on the other state schools, uh, the Florida Gators have a bye week. Uh, they're they're kind of at a one game season now, don't you think, Chris? With uh, with Georgia coming up on November second. 
it's all about Georgia and it's, it's great for them that they have this. I think it's, I mean, you know, I know at the beginning of the year, everyone was saying like, Oh, they play on August 24th against Miami. And then they go on a buy. It's like, why are they going on a buy? Well, it's like, it's not about that buy. It's about this buy. This is the mm. one, you know, and it, no mistake that this buy is set up. And I think after the way Georgia played against South Carolina, I think now the Gators are kind of going into this week where they're just a lot of film, a lot of prep. Think about it. They can treat this week kind of like you treat a Super Bowl. This is the week yeah. to implement the game plan. This is the week to get healthy. This is the week to watch film. And the next week, just go out and implement it. And I think that's what you're going to see. Um, I think this Gators team has a real chance up in Jacksonville. And if they, I mean, you know, they still have some work to do after that, but you're right. It's a one gamer, but man, if they could beat Georgia, I think that would send some shockwaves through the sec and kind of let the signal be known that, Hey, Florida's back, Florida, you know, everyone keeps saying Florida is back, but they're not back until they beat Georgia. Yeah. That would set them up nicely, of course, to win that division. They have to that, they have Vanderbilt and then Missouri, uh, on the road, and then uh, they wrap it up against Florida State, which may not win another game. I mean, look, I, I don't think things can continue to go much worse for Willie Taggart, icing his own kicker, it being Aguayo on top of that. Um, this thing Woo! seems headed the wrong direction. But, I mean, somebody asked me the other day, what would it take for Florida State to part with Willie Taggart? My answer is always the same, $18 million. I mean, that's if, if, if they come up with it, I think he probably doesn't last another season. He may not last till tomorrow. <laughs> uh, True. I mean, there's there, there's some there's there's already we've uh, one of our Spectrum Sports 360 uh, analysts, Josh Newberg, who works for 247, especially with the Seminoles. He was saying on Monday that there's a chance that you I mean, you could see at any start of a week where the, the administration's not happy. You could see them talking to, to his agent, Jimmy Sexton, and um, mm -hmm. basically say, OK, let's bro let's broker here and i said to our friend tom jones way back in the day i said wouldn't it be something if willie taggart is back at usf and he's getting paid a heck of a lot of money to not coach fsu and usf gets that bargain deal again you know like you know like what if that were to happen i would laugh so hard if that were to happen but it's 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 as much as a real as it's as much real as anything else happening at this point wow that would be crazy and and as it is i guess a possibility that that we could see that, but things just not going the right direction at US uh, at FSU, and um, you see the, the you know the empty the empty stands and things like that. That's just not going to continue for for very much very much longer. Uh, that's for sure. Um, so I, I mentioned briefly, you know, we uh, a little bit about the World Series, but I want to move on a little to the Lightning uh, real quick before we let you go. Um, this is this is kind of a an uneven start to say the least for them. Um, they've got some new players. Uh, that's probably a, a factor in this whole thing. Um, certainly, you know, no one thought they would repeat, you know, setting an NHL record for wins in the regular season. But what, what do you see happening right now with the Lightning in terms of uh, not really a great start, to say the very least? Um, you know, I thought the win at Boston was important. Um, you know, I think it's, you know, th that's the type of playoff atmosphere you're going to get. That's hostile. I mean, you know, the Bruins are going to hit you hard. Some of them are going to lick you in the face. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of, you know, there, there's, there, there's certainly, um, there's certainly that element early on in the season, but listen, this is a lightning team that I think almost understands. You don't have to be perfect for these, what, 82 games. You don't. 
You know, it's not about being, you know, the, it's not about winning president's trophy. It's not about, you know, it's not about setting records. It's about what you do to get what 11 wins, you know, what is it? 11, 16, whatever, how many wins you need. That's what you right. need to do. You know, whatever mm-hmm. it takes from mid April until June, how do you hoist the Stanley cup? And that's all this team needs to do. One thing, Rick, Steven Stamkos has become very vocal and he's criticizing the team a little bit more than I've ever seen. And and yeah. he's not afraid to say, we got to clean up penalties. We cannot play the same way that we've been playing. And it's not just mm-hmm. like after one loss and then he stops like every t- time he loses, he's like a disappointed father. You know, like he really is like, these are all his kids. And it's like, we can't, like, we can't do this anymore. This is ridiculous. But how many times can Steven Stamkos do it? You know, I think, like you said, it's uneven, but, and you're going to have some bad nights. Vassy's going to have a bad night like he did against the apps, but it's about how can you get on these runs where you, do I see the lightning ripping off the eight wins that they did, you know, where they're just constantly putting up the, the six win streaks, the seven win streaks, the eight win streaks. Are those going to be there enough this year to where you are at the top? And then you're going to be able to control what you want. But to me, it's like the lightning home ice, you know, whatever, it shouldn't matter. It should just be get in the playoffs, and that's when we need to play our best hockey. They have way too much talent to not be good. Yeah, Stamkos has sort of been that voice. Maybe his, maybe he hears his clock ticking just a little louder than some others in terms of his his few, his mortality and 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 his his stance in the game. Look, if he never wins the Stanley Cup, that's going to be that's going to be on his resume. It's something uh, that's of course a lifelong you know goal of all great players, and it's it's the only thing that Stamkos hasn't really done. So. Um, you can see why why he's taking that leadership leadership role. He's Chris Torello, and you can see him on uh, Spectrum Sports 360, Bay News 9. That's a lot of words, but uh, if you if you subscribe to Spectrum, he'll come up all the time. My good friend and uh, very talented reporter. So thanks, Chris. We appreciate your time. We'll talk to you down the road, buddy. All right. Thanks, guys. And, of course, the Lightning play tonight, as a matter of fact, against Pittsburgh. Now, that game is at 8 p.m., uh, unusual starting time at Emily Arena. That's a late start for NBC Sports. Uh, speaking of college football, as we did uh, on the podcast, uh, and Florida State in particular, we'll have Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times to talk about his column in the newspaper about Willie Taggart and his future at Florida State. You can also talk uh, about Florida's and, AD look, taking to yeah. Twitter to schedule Power 5 conferences. Yeah, you mentioned that Steve uh, Scott Strickland, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I I guess if you don't have the phone numbers to all the other ads in the different conferences, there's probably there's probably some kind of uh, sharing of of things like that. But hey, well, I'm wondering media. a couple years ago, uh, I think it was Oklahoma State and somebody I don't remember who got into the, like their Twitter accounts got into a back and forth on scheduling, and then all of a sudden announced a home and home series. And you almost wonder if there's not something up with Scott Strickland. Like he's got a series or two he's going to announce sometime soon and just trying to drum up support and get people talking. Or if he really doesn't know how to reach the other ADs. I don't know. Well, I'm sure he knows how. It's no. just, you know, it's it's almost like you're goading, you know, you're trying to bait teams in, into, uh, okay, tell me why you won't play Florida. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's kind of like, hey, Florida's looking for games. You know, you can't, if you're in, I don't know, if you're Clemson, <laughs> you know, whatever. Well, the Clemson um, AD another... did respond and said, hey, I think Florida would love to come to Death Valley, and we'd love to go to the Swamp, 
Question mark? <laughs> what? Wait a minute. Who's even going to be alive in 37, 38? <laughs> We're scheduling games for, for kids who haven't even met. Their parents haven't met yet. That is one of the hard parts about college football is they do schedule these <laughs> series, most of these series, way out in advance. And so yeah, they do. there are times where you schedule a series and it looks great, and then when you get to the series, it's like, yeah, that team's not, not so very, very good, good anymore. That's true. Like, say, USF. Um, Ooh. But, yeah, well, I, hey, I'll take your shots when you can. I mean – God love them. They're in, they're in a heck of you know. Somebody asked me um, before we tell you what else is going on this week. Somebody asked me why don't you why don't why doesn't USF just buy out Charlie Strong? And I don't know what that costs, but it's not eighteen million. And then maybe pay a portion of Willie Taggart's salary and bring to him Florida back. State and bring him back. Does Quentin Flowers then, have any eligibility? Well, that's that's exactly what I said. <laughs> you can't bring him back without <laughs> Quentin because he's never won without him. Well, what would he do? I mean, Quentin is looking for work. He's in the XFL. He's in Tampa. Um, but he, I don't think he can play uh, at USF. He can play in the stadium, but just for the XFL team. So, yeah, that might not that might not be the greatest idea. Anyway, um, we'll have Matt Baker to talk about all that stuff. And Matt does a terrific job, and, and we're happy to have him, of course, every week. Uh, one, oh, one, cool note, thing, one cool note about the lightning. About the tonight. lightning, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So tonight, yeah. uh, the Lightning, before the puck drops against Pittsburgh, they're going to have 46 of the 70 living recipients of the Congressional Medal, Medal of Honor at a pregame ceremony, including a ceremonial puck drop. Uh, the 2019 Medal of Honor convention is here in Tampa starting today through Saturday. So there's only 70 living recipients right now. It's one of the lowest numbers in history. Um, over th- about thir- uh, Fewer than 3,500 individuals have ever received that medal, and over half of which have been uh, after death. You know, it's it, they do such a great job with the Lightning, of course, you know, in recognizing um, folks from McDill and around the country and giving, you know, their service. And, of course, Sonia Bryson, we know her her history and all that. This this would give me goosebumps if I'm there, and I'll try to watch. I hope they have it on, on television. But, I mean, the, the heroism and, and, and the stories, if, if, I know they're not going to have time to go over all 46, re, you know, men who or women who uh, who have earned this and why. Hopefully there'll be some literature about that, but it's it's awe-inspiring to see what what a real hero is, and to see them all there, uh, and and just what they've experienced and, and the lives that they've saved. Just just a great gesture by the Lightning, and I'm glad I'm glad they're having them, uh, and glad they're in Tampa. So look forward to that. We're also going to hear from Jameis Winston for the first time since his sixth turnover debacle as they prepare to play the Titans, of course in Tennessee on Sunday. No Marietta versus Winston. It's going to Marietta, or I'm sorry, Winston versus uh, Ryan Tannehill. So that, that 2015 draft, not looking so good at the top of it with the uh, one and two picks anyway. Martin Fenley wrote a column about that in today's Tampa Bay Times. You can check that out on tampabay.com. That's it for today's podcast. Hope you guys join us tomorrow with Matt Baker. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 